Good stuff. I got a confession to make before we go further. I've talked it over with my wife uh, where we're dealing with this together, but I have to say this and share it with some of you. It, it may hurt. It may be something that it's like, oh, but uh, I don't like Stacy Adams. I've, I've never owned a pair of Stacy Adams, and I will never buy a pair of Stacy Adams. And I know that's devastating to some of us, but guys, I just had to share that with you on this platform to get that off my chest. It's been something in our fellowship that's just, I know it's deep-rooted, but for me, it's like, oh, I just, okay, we can go further. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, God, for allowing us to be here today. We thank you for the roof over our heads, the seats we're sitting on, the people we're around. God, we appreciate this so much, and we don't take it for granted. And Lord, we pray for all those around the world who are not able to do this, who are not able to come together and worship publicly and read your word and be together. And Lord, we pray for them. And Holy Spirit, we invite you here today that as we read your word, you would bring us understanding. Jesus, you are Lord over this church, over us as a fellowship, and over us in our lives, God. And we thank you for everything. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. I want us to go into the scripture. Uh, we're gonna go to the book of Isaiah, chapter six, verses one through eight. And the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, and it's, uh, it's in between Genesis and Revelation, if you have some trouble finding that. Um, book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, no pastors can steal that joke, it is trademarked by me. Okay, so Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice, voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. That's a great scripture, but it's also very clear. Isaiah could not prophesy to the nation with clarity until he lost sight of the king. Only when he saw God could he see clearly. Only when he saw God clearly is when he was correctly positioned to minister to the king and to the people. See, the king actually was, was a great king. He was a good king. But then something happened. And it's scripture points us to in 2 Chronicles 26, 16 through 21, 2 uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 26, 3 through 5, and 2 Chronicles 26, verse 15. It gives us a picture of who he was, but it also gives us the account of his transgression. His transgression was in his strength. His transgression was at the point in his life where he was the most developed, 
the most successful and the most prosperous. It was at that point in his life that he transgressed, that he sinned, that he got in the way. But we, but we must be aware of the strength that we have and the strength that we don't have. We must not lose sight of the truth that our transgressions have a price. I want to get back to Isaiah. Isaiah had much respect for the king. He honored him, maybe even idolized him. I had a discussion with a group of church planners in Europe, and they're, they're a group from England. We were talking about how it's ridiculous. It's just appalling how you can spend $2,000, $5,000 and get connected with some of the largest speakers. You know, you could, you could pay to have lunch with them. Literally. You can pay them to come to your church and coach you how to be a better pastor. And we were just like, oh, that's disgusting. That's horrible. Why would you do that? Why don't you? Bro, they just need to read their Bible and pray. And then one of them said, well, what if, if Paul was alive? Right now, Paul the Apostle, if he was living, breathing, and you could pay to meet him, would you pay? And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and he responded with, I would. <laughs> and the idea is that sometimes we put our leaders on pedestals that are not realistic. And it's, and it's the truth that, that we all have a leader in our life and a person we honor and respect, even in their failures. E even when we see everything that is not perfect, honoring and respecting is never a negative thing. It's never a negative thing. To look at, around our fellowship and to honor and, and respect leaders is something we should do. However, there is a falsified belief of an eternal presence of such earthly things that are the makeup of mortal minds failing to comprehend an eternal God. Where we position who God is into the place of our leaders. And we sum everything up into who they are. Never forget that we're all human. <laughs> Never forget that our favorite churches, our favorite pastors, our favorite authors, our favorite movements will all come to a second place position and eventually come to an end, especially when you encounter God. Because you cannot see God and know who he is and still position people in his place. And then what happens when we position God into the place of a person is, is when they fail... Our faith fails. And what are we left with? If all those movements died out, all the big ones, the ones we model our churches after, if all of them died out, or if those pastors came out and said, you know what, I'm an atheist, I'm a businessman, I do this for money, how devastated would you be? Mortal minds that fail to comprehend an eternal God we were never supposed to build a brand <laughs> and to think that we are capable of, of, of saying, well, this is how it's supposed to be done now. Is a failure in understanding what God did. He got desperate people and did awesome things. 
I like to think of it in the eyes of a, of a wave. If you, if you imagine a wave, you can never be in the natural beauty of the ocean and create for yourself the perfect wave. In the artificial, it is possible. In a controlled environment, you can create a wave. But you will lack the magnificent and glorious testament of God. You can manufacture a lot of things. We can make a lot of things happen artificially, even build churches. I love you too. Give me enough money and I'll build a crowd for you. I'll take pictures, I'll make you a website. And you'll have the largest ministry all over. We need about $200 million, but, you know, it'll happen. Because you can build the artificial. You can build something that looks legitimate. But the true touch of God is never found in what we build. If we go back to this idea of a wave, for the perfect wave to be caught, you have to be out in the ocean waiting at the right place at the right time on the board floating. Looking around for the sharks. <laughs> Hoping there's no lightning in those clouds. And the fear sends some people back to the shore. When we're riding a wave and it loses its power and it fades away. We don't stand on the shore and talk about, that was an awesome wave. No other wave will be as great as that wave. Man, I love preaching at Methodist conferences. It's just mellow and quiet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that might have been the best wave we caught. It might have. But it's very likely there's better ones coming. Not only that, with our experience, we can ride it even better. What God did is not a pinnacle or apex or peak of our lives. What God did was provide us a wave, a very good one. And the source of that wave is bigger than the ocean it comes from. God will generate the power, the energy, and the movement needed for us to take a stand. But we must personally catch it. We must personally have a revelation of Jesus. We cannot ride with someone else. It is only God who can communicate and teach us what it means to have an eternal perspective with a mortal mind. And he does that by sometimes destroying the very things that we hold on to as dear. The very things that we look for to direction, direction markers, advice givers, teachers, encouragers, pastors, ministries. He will show us their humanity and he will show us their mortality, mainly to point us back to himself. See, Isaiah never spoke of King Uzziah as something less. He just spoke of God as so much more. I like what one guy uh, in exposition said. The earthly king was laid in the grave, but the prophet saw that the true king of Israel was neither the dead Uzziah nor the young Jotham, but the Lord of hosts. 
See, once God was all he could see, he couldn't see anything else but God. Why did God have to take the best king in Isaiah's lifetime? Maybe because he entitled king to the wrong thing. Ron Luce, at the end of Acquire the Fire, it, it, it shut down, it was, it was bankrupt, and it was ending, and they, and they asked him something, and he, and he responded with, am I in love with a memory, or am I in love with Jesus, who created all those great moments? Isaiah could not prophesy or function as intended to the nation or the people with clarity until he lost sight of the earthly king. Only when he saw God could he see clearly. Only when he saw God clearly is when he was correctly positioned to minister to the king and to the people. Especially, you know, man, if we're going to be out in that water waiting for that wave, and it looks intimidating, and it looks scary, and we're alone, and we're thinking of all the things that could happen. And I know all of us know that feeling of feeling alone, isolated. But, man, we're waiting for that wave, and we got to be out there. we got to be in that place of fear of only trusting God, of saying, Lord, I don't know what could happen. And there's a lot that could. But I'm waiting for that wave, man. Maybe it's time for some of us to swim back out. And we speak not less of all that God has done, but we speak greater of all that God is going to do. I saw the Lord do something before. And I can't wait to see it again and again and again. 